right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on your May 9th. We uh, are here. Why'd you, why'd you say it like that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Feeling a little different today. Wanted to try something new. Didn't okay. like it. But, spice it up. You know, try things. Sometimes you fall okay. flat on your face. I'm going <laughs> to reject that <laughs> okay. one. Try again he's, tomorrow. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. And uh, on today's show, we're going to be having some more RCST trivia. In the 4 o'clock hour. Coming up at 4.40, Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports will join us. We're going to bring back the return of the segment, Do We Give a Bleep? Do you give a bleep about the segment returning? We hope so. Uh, We also have plenty of uh, KU news to talk about on today's show. Also at 3.40, 3.45-ish, I'm going to be releasing in honor of KU bringing on all these, you know, big wig transfers, Hunter Dickinson. Top 10 Bill Self transfers. Top 10 players who have transferred into the program at KU Mm. in Bill Self's time. At KU. Just Bill Self's time. So, like Jared Hass, he won't be on there, but certainly he'd be up high. I do want to start the show, though. Andrew Slater on Twitter, who, if you don't know who Andrew Slater is, he is, I I don't know, this is kind of difficult like to describe. Insider? He's kind of like a, yeah, he's kind of like a college basketball recruiting insider, but he's not somebody who, like, He's not doing it to be a college basketball recruiting insider. He's like the that that makes me describe him like a, a guy who's like he's so cool because he's not trying to be cool. You know what I mean? Um, but basically, he's just someone who I don't know if he works on the grassroots scene or, or what he does specifically. But he has really close relationships with a lot of the different recruits. He tries to help them out. He tries to maybe be like kind of a third party or a connector for different stuff. Uh, tries to have good relationships with the players, with the families, and and give them good advice and stuff like that. Um, and he'll get info out. Out there to, to kind of help them along but he's very very well connected like one of the most connected people you'll know in recruiting and he is is you know tight with the McKenzie and Baco camp their family and, and Baco and everything so he tweeted this out earlier today five-star McKenzie and Baco class of 2023 is down to a final two Kansas and Indiana yeah very interesting mm-hmm. so he took the Kansas visit what two weekends ago and then this just this past yeah. weekend he took his Indiana visit there was a Louisville visit scheduled, but I guess Friday. that Axe. got nixed. That sucks, Louisville. Maybe win more than four games, Louisville. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, stunk. But anyways, yeah. So Kansas and Indiana are the top two, and this makes sense, right? I mean, dude, my Jaylen, goodness, I did not realize Louisville finished two hundred and ninetieth on Ken Palm. They won four games. I know, but still, they're in a Power Five. Like, they won four. Game. 90, dude? What do you want them to be? That's the lowest I've ever seen a Power 5 on. A- anyway. Derek, they won four I, I games. I digress. Four. I understand that. But one, usually two, three, you'll have a four. team that won like four or five in a Power 5, and they're still like 230th or something. 290? Like that. That's one of the bottom like 80. Uh, anyway, I digress. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> He's not going to Louisville. All right. Yeah, this is a Louisville rip talk, <laughs> talk I guess. Anyway, doesn't matter. Back to what we were talking about. Kansas and Indiana, the top two for Mbako. Makes sense, right, For from the Kate perspective. Mm. Uh, Jalen Tyson commits to Cal. He was kind of the other guy that they were looking at as, like, the wing spot. And Baco is by far the highest level rated, however you want to look at it, player 
that Kansas could get to fill this spot that they're looking at. Uh, I think now for KU, it really comes down to either you land Mbako or you're going to be looking for a guy that withdraws from the NBA draft and maybe try to pick him up, right? <clears throat> I think so. Because I think it's clear it's clear that KU still feels like they need maybe one more piece. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I think they're to a point... Well, okay. So first of all, you have two open scholarships. At the very least, you need one more body just to feel like you have the proper depth. Yeah. I think ideally they're viewing this as... Because it would be get, great. You could get Mbako and then still yes. on top of that bring back a guy. Yeah, it would be great to have one more rotation piece that can play like the wing for us, the three or the four. You know, one of the two, if not both. AKA and he fits both of Mbako. those, right? Um, I I do think that if he didn't choose KU, I think KU would still their rotation would still be good enough to be like the best team in the country. This uh, is the yeah. cherry on top decision that that makes yeah. it feel like. Like, this is the connector piece to trying like, to be... You feel like they're close to number one. If they sure. land Mbako, that maybe makes them sure. more of a yeah, definitive number one. Maybe that's a good way of putting it. If they don't land him, you could see them being anywhere between the one through fourth like, best team in the country or something. Yeah. If they do land him, you're probably definitively the number one team in the preseason rankings, right? How much does yes. it matter? I don't know. But it's it's always better to have more good players than less, right? <laughs> um, does it matter to you at all that he took the Indiana visit after KU? No, I don't think it does. Uh, like, okay, think about Nick Timberlake. Remember, like he visited Connecticut after he visited Kansas, right? So there were a lot of people that were like, "Oh no, he visited UConn after Kansas, and now he's going to pick the Huskies," and that yes. didn't end up happening, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that sucks. UConn. Hunter Dickinson visited what Kentucky and Villanova. Oh, that sucks. Visited Kansas and, and Villanova. So no, it doesn't worry me. Um, I think that. It's it's realistic he could go to Indiana. I mean the the idea of going to Indiana over Kansas, I think it would be less about uh, like you expect Kansas to be better. Obviously, they're they're ranked, you know, higher. Not that Indiana is like terrible, but I don't know is Indiana going to be preseason top 25 maybe, but maybe like more toward the edge or something. With with Kansas, the idea is you come in, you get to be on a winning team and you get to, you know, prove yourself as because a lot of these kids um when you go to the NBA, you're not going to be the number one guy. It just does. I mean, there's only what yeah, unless, twenty true number ones like in the NBA. The number one overall pick, sure, or something like that. Realistically, you're going to need to show can you play off of someone else, and I think you get that opportunity if you come to Kansas. But for some kids, the opportunity is important. For instance, Jalen Tyson goes to Cal, and I don't know that that was the only reason. There was the relationships that he had with yeah. some of the people there. Yeah. But part of that could have just been if you come to Kansas, you're competing to maybe be a starter. Oh yeah, and to be if you're on the floor, the third, fourth, fifth option on the floor. If you go to Cal, you're the number one option, right? And, and for some guys, they'd prefer that. So obviously, Kansas has a lot of advantages over Indiana, but Indiana probably can offer that at least, like the opportunity for being the number one guy. Versus if you come to Kansas, you're not the number one guy. That's Hunter Dickinson. No. You're probably not the number two guy. Like maybe in scoring, you are, but yeah. Juan Harris is kind of yes. the number two guy, right? Yes. So it, it's just kind of a different thing of of what you're trying to do. But yeah, I, I don't look into anything about like, oh, he just visited Indiana last. That means he's picking the Hoosiers. Because <laughs> I know you love that on three will constantly, the recruiting yes. site will constantly do whatever whatever last school the guy visited, 99% he's going yes. there. That's like their predictor thing. That's hilarious. 100%. Uh, but yeah, I mean, everything you said I think is very accurate, right? Like from the standpoint of do you want to win a national championship? Do you want to be on one of the top teams in the country? Kansas. Or do you want to be a guy who could potentially be the number one option and maybe average 15, 16, 17 points per game on a what will probably end up being a pretty good team? Like right, Indiana is probably going to be a pretty good team. Sure, yeah. And they were four seed in the tournament this year. They'll probably be similar to that again this year. 
But again, is that going to give you the best opportunity to be a team that be on a team that goes to the national championship, be on a team that goes makes a deep run in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, maybe not. But like you said, not all guys care about that. Some guys, some guys just you know, it's it's the old adage of the one and done. Some guys just view college as a stepping stone. They don't care about anything else other than showcasing themselves and you know putting up a bunch of stats so they can get drafted better. Other guys, you never know, right? It's it's a case by case basis. So, yes, but on the court, from on the court perspective, this would be certainly the best fit for Kansas because he can come in. He has the shooting ability that we've we've talked about quite a bit, actually, uh, and that would check off a lot of boxes for Kansas, right? I mean, we had we just had a discussion yesterday. Is obviously Nick Timberlake was the best shooter in the portal, but is just Timberlake by himself? Does that solve the shooting problems for Kansas? Be nice to have somebody else. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe not. Right? Like, what if Timberlake dips a little bit playing higher competition? What if he only shoots thirty eight percent? Is that is that good enough to to keep your team totals afloat in terms of three point shooting? Maybe, maybe not. A guy like Mbako probably shores up that certainly. And he's got the length in terms of height and just arm length to play defense and whatnot. It makes a lot of sense. Something else I hadn't even considered. This What's is that? something that Kevin Flaherty will talk about all the time. And. Okay, I, I think that if you do win, people are going to get their draft stock boosted and stuff. But there's not been a title team that since, I think it was yeah, Indiana last, in 86 or 87. When's the number one team that won the title? Well, I don't know about that. I don't know. that. I, I don't know. I was just thinking from a draft stock perspective. Oh. Every team that has won the title since, again, it was the Indiana team with Steve Alford. I don't know. That was in the 80s, right? Maybe late 70s. I don't know. Whatever it was. Um has had a player go in the first round. Hmm. And even then, the Steve Alford team, like Steve Alford went like 28th in the draft. It's just at the time there were less NBA teams, so technically that was a second-round pick. So you have to have a top 30 pick on your roster to show the type of talent. And now that I'm thinking through my head, does KU have that? Like, KU might, okay, um, Marcus Adams. If Marcus Adams hits, maybe he's eventually a first-round pick. But is Marcus Adams going to be a first-round pick after this year? No, No, probably not, right? Will he even get the playing time? I don't know. No. Um, Dwan Harris, like he's a college guard, you know. Hunter yes. Dickinson, he's a college big man. Yes. Um, for now at least. I mean, I, I mean, you based have on the quotes by Bill yeah, Self. I don't sure. Know. Nick Timberlake, not going to be a first round pick. KJ no. Adams, not going to be a first round pick because of the no. shooting. Um, I guess hypothetically, Arterio Morris and or El Marco Jackson at some could point be. in their career could be first round picks. You're talking could about be. six three athletic guards, right? If Arterio gets the jump shot down, he could be a first round pick. If El Marco gets the jump shot down, he could be a first round pick. But Mackenzie and Baco would give you your best shot at having a first-round pick on the roster. Yes. I mean, it's not like a surefire that he would be, but sure. certainly he— like I'm looking know, at being, one mock I mean, draft. Be, he's the number two guy in the class. Yeah, th- this has him as the number 17 pick in the 2024 class. Mm, early edition of Do We Give a Bleep 2024 NBA no, draft. probably not. Um, <laughs> but I, I think what's most interesting here is—so, uh, A, he helps you with that. B, it's always good to have more potential talent. Yeah. I mean, there is a chance that— Sure, he could come in, and uh, this is always the case with freshmen. Like, would it be crazy? I'm not saying I predict this, but is there a 10% outcome or a 15% outcome where this happens, where Mackenzie Mbaco comes in and KJ Adams is the starting four and Nick Timberlake's your starting three and Mbaco is the is backup the, four man? Yeah, the three four guy. Sure. And um, he is only playing 15, 20 minutes a game. Is there a situation where Marcus Adams is only ranked lower than him because he's been on lower level? You know, teams, but he actually has more talent and he usurps him. Those are all small possibilities. It's not impossible that Mbako could come in and, 
right? Everybody thought MJ Rice was going to do great, and he couldn't crack the rotation. So it's never a sure thing with freshmen, but it does yeah. feel especially, like he really would. It's never a sure thing with freshmen, especially in Bill Self's system. Sure. It does feel like, though, he would be really a perfect fit for KU. And, and yeah. I am scared saying stuff like that because I always go back. The one that sticks out for me was Sheck Diallo, and he was the top 10 recruit, and <laughs> I thought he was the perfect, the last piece for that team. It didn't end up happening. It was the veteran, Landon Lucas, who beat him out. Hmm. KJ Adams. Hello. Um, but I think that when you look at it, whether it would be a starter off the bench, whatever, you view him as being somebody who can fill some minutes for you at the three, fill some minutes for you at the four. Even if KJ does start at the four, KJ's not playing 35 minutes a game at the no. four, right? He might no. play 25, 30 minutes a game, and that still leaves you with 10, 15 minutes at the four. That still leaves you with minutes open at the three position because right now you're looking at playing like Nick Timberlake at the three and then maybe you play El Marco or Arterio Morris there for a few minutes at the three where you have the three-guard lineup, like with what we saw with when they throw yeah. out Dewan, Bobby, and Joe at the same time. Yeah, the small ball. Um, but that well, means there's minutes there. Think about it this way. like, the And he's a good fit because he can shoot, he can play up and down the lineup, he can rebound, he gets yeah. size, athleticism. Well, we had this discussion a little bit off-air earlier today before the start of the show of there's really only two guys for Kansas that you feel confident are surefire starters, Dickinson and Dewan. Yes. So if you get a guy like Mbako... That you now have three spots where you're going to have basically Mbako, KJ Adams, Arterio Morris, Elmarco Jackson, Nick Timberlake. Five guys to play three spots, basically. Yeah. Any chance Ernest Uday, Hunter Dickinson, 4 5? They started the same, Landon Lucas next to Doak like Ernest, seven years Ernest ago. Ernest plays the four? <laughs> or who would play the four? I think Hunter because he can shoot it. And then Ernest is the but five. But no, that, that won't happen. You don't uh, think so? Dude, <laughs> no, just roll no out chance. the all big lineup. <laughs> no chance. No Hunter chance. Dickinson, Ernest Uday, KJ Adams. Uh, KJ is the point guard. How about that? <laughs> and then you, I don't know. No, this is stupid. Uh, by the way, in the picture of Mackenzie Mbako when he was on his visit at Kansas, he was wearing like an undershirt. Okay. I always love that. I love players who wear undershirts. Like underneath their jerseys? Yeah, he could immediately go up there on, on the list of top KU players to, to wear undershirts. So when you say undershirt, are you talking shirts, about like a, Shirts, undershirts, whatever. It's a t-shirt? Or yeah, like, like a t-shirt. A- but it's like the, you know, back in the day when players would wear T-shirts underneath their jersey, yeah. they were just like a cotton T-shirt. Yeah, like which that was a even regular, better. regular flop. No, his is like was the... Was it more like the, the fitted? Yeah, the fitted. But yeah. it is the T-shirt. Like it's, but it's, like it has the you sleeves. Know. It has the sleeves. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Not yeah, yeah. long sleeves, but yeah. There, there was a player... No, no, I know what you mean. The yeah, short, yeah, the short like sleeves. It's the short yeah. sleeve T-shirt, but it's like fitted. Side note, is that I the remember right term to say. Yeah, fitted? yeah. I, it, like, kind of like the Under Armour type of material, but clearly yeah. not Under Armour because they're Adidas. But um. I remember there was that player. It was like Jamal Franklin or something like that for San Diego State. He wore long sleeves, well, like Ernest, legitimately Ernest, long sleeves. Ernest wore long sleeves for one game. He did? Yeah. I don't remember that at all. He wore he wore literally like a blue long sleeve sweatshirt what? underneath his jersey for one game. I don't and it looked, remember this and he, at all. And he looked, he looked stupid, honestly. I'm just going to say it. I think you're lying. I'm not lying. I am not Dude, lying. This guy at San Diego State, Jamal Franklin, he just wore like a long sleeve like white t-shirt. Like that's just that's normal, exactly what like, Ernest looked like. Except it was I do blue. not remember that one bit. It was earlier in the season. He did it for one game, and I'm I guessing pictures somebody proof. told him, hey, you look <laughs> stupid. Wear something else. And he did. Yeah, I don't need that. But, the, the, I mean, the undershirt thing, there have been so many great KU players who have worn a T-shirt under their jersey, from Paul Pierce to uh, Svima Kailuk most recently. There, there's a bunch of players who did that, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I'm all for that. The t-shirt buff is real, 100%. Yes, 100%. Um, you let's become say- a better shooter for sure. <laughs> That's a good point. All those guys I just mentioned, and there's other ones too yes. that I'm, I'm no, struggling the, to think the, of. The the t- did Brady Morningstar, right? The t-shirt buff is for shooters. For shooters, okay. So yes. we need Mackenzie Mbako to to wear the t-shirt. Um, let's let's go to the other end of this because I I do think KU is probably in a good position here. That doesn't mean they're going to get him. I mean, obviously yeah. he. I mean, and then the top two, two, right? Sure. So at this point, you have a 50, basically fifty fifty shot. 
I have a friend who says everything is a coin flip. Like technically, it's yes or no. What do you mean? Well, it's like, am I going to win the lottery tonight? Yes or no? No. 50-50. No, no, that's not how it's it works. yes or no. That's literally not it's how it works. either I did or I didn't. Two that's options. That's not how it works. Two options. That's I did or I did not. These things work. I mean, I see the sense in it. Like no. either it happened or it didn't. I you disagree. Know? 50-50. 100% disagree. Um, <laughs> There's no 50-50 involved. I am 100% <laughs> disagreeing with that. Okay. Nonetheless, uh, if they don't get him. What happens here? Because it seems like now... If they don't get him, I think at that point, they're just waiting to see what guys come back from the draft. But see, yeah, I, I think you're there's right. nobody else. Because you, yeah, there, look, there hasn't like, look, been any names that have entered the portal that jump out at you. Well, look at the freshmen first. So, among the freshmen, Ron Holland's uncommitted, and that would be one where it's like, oh, of course, but it sounds like it's like Arkansas or G League Ignite there for Dude, him. I can't stand Arkansas. <laughs> I can't stand him. So, it's, I mean, it's just that. And then every other top 40 commit is committed somewhere else. You're probably looking somewhere else. And then if you go to the transfer portal, who are the top available small forwards? Uh, David Jones from St. John's do anything for you? Who? I mentioned DJ Rodman on into the transfer portal about yep, a week ago. You did. You did. Maybe that's one that you uh, get a little interested in, but I mean, is that like moving the needle for you? Probably not. Pass. And then you look at the power forward position. It's like Oliver and Kamwa for Tennessee, but he can't really shoot. Good He's defender. Yeah, he's still out there, but I mean, yeah. the rumor there is that he's gonna go, uh, go gonna like go... play pro overseas. Uh, oh yeah, because like he's from the Netherlands. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Do you bring on like Grant Nelson? But he's it seems like he's more of a big man. Like, do you play Nelson next to Hunter <laughs> Dickinson and play two Giants next to there each other? I don't, with KJ, I don't think KU wants That's to a do perfect that. Lineup. <laughs> KJ at the three, Nelson at the four, and Dickinson at the five. I, I, yes. I don't think KU wants to play that way. I, I think you're leaving yourself too open for some defensive limitations. So I, I think that there aren't really perfect fits at that point in time. And, and some of the other players that we've seen that have maybe KU's kicked the tires on or, or the reported interest to whatever level that is have been other centers. But those seem to be just for bodies in case they didn't get Dickinson and or if centers transferred out like Zuby right. to where you need to bring in possibly another body. I don't know what you would do. I almost wonder at this point if you would just, just see who comes back. I guess. Yeah, in the, in the combine, and then like I said, I've talked about. Worst it. Worst I mean, case, you just eat some there's, scholarships. There's probably going to be like a. I don't know if second wave is the right term, but there's probably going to be a wave of guys, like a like a decent number of guys. Well, maybe doesn't the portal close on May 11th? Yeah, but if they're no, but if you come back, I don't know what the rules are. I think you would have to entered by then. Oh, you think so? So I I don't know how that. But works. aren't there guys that like they enter the portal and they go to the draft so that they can do both? Yes. But that's what I'm saying. I think you'll have to have at least declared that you're in the portal by then. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. So I don't know. I don't know. That's that's Maybe very interesting. Maybe not then. Yeah. So I mean, you're kind of running out of options. I I wonder if you almost get to a point where you're just you know just get developmental players or whatever. You get an extra scholarship. So could be uh, a lot of options if they don't get them. But seems like they have a pretty good shot at them, none the least. So we'll see uh, when that commitment Some ends might up coming say down. It's a coin flip. Hmm. I mean, that time it literally is because it's down to two teams, right? Oh, that time it really is, yeah. It's down oh, to I agree. I mean, you were the one who was disagreeing with that. I didn't disagree with anything. Is it going to rain today? 50-50. We'll find out. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll get to our top 10 Bill Self transfers list. We also have some uh, more news on a player who's going to be visiting KU this weekend. RCST Trivia at 4 o'clock. Kevin Flaherty joins us at 440. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. RCST Trivia coming at you next. Kevin Flaherty at 440. 
And then uh, do we give a bleep in the 5 o'clock hour? This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have a, another top 10 list. And on today's edition of Top 10s, Top 10 Bill Self Transfers. Um, so to be clear in this, I did count JUCO transfers and transfers from other colleges. Okay. And guys who sat out a year versus guys who were immediately eligible. Just okay. basically, did you transfer into the program at Kansas? There were, were more than, than I remember being. Not at Kansas. Correct. During the Bell South era. Uh, there were more than I remembered being. Guys that won't be on this list. You know, Joe Yesifu, unfortunately, couldn't get him up there. Um, who else? Dwight Colby couldn't get him on the list. Tyon Grant Foster, uh, Sam Cunliffe. I don't know, Wait, many Grant Foster not number one? No. Dude. I mean, he wore number one, right? Fake did list. He? Yeah, he did. Okay. Fake list. <laughs> Fake list. Honestly, one of the spots I had the most contention over, which, funny enough, is the spot for the number 10 spot. Hmm. Um, I thought for a second, so this will be my my top honorable mention pick, is Hunter Mickelson. I could okay. not get him on the list. I thought about it. Mickelson played two years at Kansas, technically three because he sat out the one year. Uh, played in 45 games in his two years. 11 starts. Wow. And he averaged for his career KU 2.4 points, 2.1 rebounds, and 7.4 minutes per game, 0.9 blocks per game. So if you extrapolate that out to like a 30-minute player, that's like 10 points, 8 rebounds, 4 blocks per game. Yeah, that's not that's, good enough. That's pretty good. No, what the his regular stats were not good Oh, enough. yeah, sure. I don't care about your stupid extrapolation. Okay, but, but what about this? He won a gold medal at the World University Games. He scored 7 How points, many other guys 5 rebounds. they've won a gold medal? Not many. He was the starting center for their uh, gold medal win over Germany. Okay, maybe he should be in the top 10. Yeah, so maybe he should. But the reason why, let's get into the list. Number 10. So he played 45 games in two years. Our number 10 guy, Jalen Coleman-Lands, played 39 games in one year. And that's part of trying to figure out who should be ranked where. Multiple years do matter. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because you get to play more. You get and it does. Or whatever. But as I say that, this is the exception. Mickelson played multiple years, but Mickelson played 45 games. Jalen Coleman-Lance played 39. Impact, so realistically, impact it's not. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. Mickelson, at the end of the day, once they got to the tournament, wasn't part of the rotation. Yeah. Jalen Coleman-Lance played in like all yeah, the tournament Yeah, he was their off-the-bench shooter guy. Yes. He got one start. Um, he scored 3.7 points per game. The stats would have been a lot better if Ochai wouldn't have come back. KU probably doesn't win the title, but he probably is a double-digit per game scorer. He's probably starting. Could have been. Yeah, right? could have been for sure. Um, no, I guess maybe not. I guess uh, if he's not starting, if Ochai's like not back, it's probably minutes, Remy starts. and then. Yeah. Jay but Jalen's still getting a lot more minutes, and he's scoring a lot more. Yeah. The year before, he put up 14 per game at, at Iowa State. He was an elite shooter, 44.8% from three. Over the course of his, his collegiate career, he's at 38% on five attempts per game. Really, really good shooter. Knockdown shooter for KU. He gets the 10th on this list because even though Mickelson has the World University Games gold medal, yeah. Jalen has the NCAA well, title. I also think filling your role matters sure. as it pertains to this list. right? Like, What was Jalen Coleman-Lance's role? Shoot threes. What was he really good at? Shooting threes. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Roll fill. Good job. Yeah, and he had a couple uh, games in there that maybe uh, saved your tail or, or maybe really helped you out. Um, he had the 20-point game against George Mason. He had the 10-point game against Tarleton State. Um, he had nine against Kansas State in one of the games, three for three from three. He had eight points against Mizzou. So against, you know, had some fun games in there. Baylor, that he had sucks, eight Missouri. in the win against Baylor. So he's number 10 on the list. That sucks, Scott Drew. Next up. Number nine. Tarek Black. Tarek Black getting number nine. I remember one of the uh, campy names when I was in school. It was Twerk for Tarek. Oh, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, good number one. nine, Tarek Black, though. He started 15 games. And, I mean, this is the cool thing for Tarek Black. He will forever, 
always be able to tell his kids. And, and he had a cup of coffee in the NBA. I don't know if he's still playing overseas or whatnot, but he's had a, a good professional career, made probably a good amount of money. Was he'll he, forever he the Lakers for a little bit? Yeah, Lakers, Rockets. He'll yeah. forever be able to tell his kids and grandkids, see that guy Joel Embiid who won the MVP? Yeah, I started I, over I him. I dunked him. on him. Yeah, I destroyed right? him in practice once. Yeah. Uh, so that alone gets you a little extra brownie points. But, I mean, he had a real impact. He was just a one-year guy. So, again, not a multi-year guy. But five and a half points per game, four rebounds per game in 13 and a half minutes, 15-game starter, a good veteran piece for you to have. And it obviously didn't work out for KU with that tournament run, losing in the second round, getting upended by Stanford. But, like, he played really well in the tournament games. Uh, against Eastern Kentucky in the first round, he had 12 points and five rebounds and four blocks. And then in the game against Stanford, he was like it was like him and Connor Frankamp were like their only good players. He had 18 points and six rebounds against Stanford, but he fouled out. He went six of eight from the floor. So uh, there's another world out there where KU gets by Stanford, and everybody's looking back being like, thank goodness we had Tarek Black. But overall, I think he filled everything you wanted when you brought him in via the portal that year. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Another guy that filled, filled the role that you needed him to fill. Yep. Number eight. So number eight, I think if you're just taking one year on its own, Tarek Black would be ahead of this guy. But this guy had two years, which put him over the over the hump there. Mario Little. Mm. So Mario Little uh, was the number one JUCO player in the country, six foot six wing, came into Kansas in 08-09. played twenty three games, twelve and a half minutes per game, four point seven points, three point two rebounds, shot fifty one percent from the floor, thirty seven from three in limited time, and then the next year he redshirted. Because that next year's team was so loaded. You had Sharon and Cole and Tyshawn and the Morris twins and stuff. So he redshirts the next year. Then he comes back in 2010 to 2011. By the way, would that ever happen today? Mitch Lightfoot. Besides Mitch Lightfoot. Mm, most likely no. I guess. I would, don't know. Because like, if, if, if you were in that situation where you played and the next year it's like, hey, you're not going to play. You just transfer out, right? You wouldn't. Stay. I mean, it has to be a player either. Like, okay, Mario Little was coming from Juco. Yeah. Or it has to be a player like Mitch Lightfoot where it's like he is in this for the program, but he has to be like Kyle Cuff. He's the type of player that would have done it because he seemed to just love KU. But he already registered. But he has to, A, he already registered, but B, also you have to be good enough to still like be a player the program wants to keep around like yeah. Mitch was, right? Yeah. Um. So most likely no, but I don't know. I wouldn't rule it out. So then he comes back for the 10-11 team, which ended up being obviously awesome. Plays 32 games, makes a start, 5.1 mi- points per game in about 14 minutes. Uh, three rebounds, shoots 51% on twos, 37% on threes. He was a guy that I don't think he ever really got to show the the true player he was. Like he's gone on to like professional levels, and he'll like in overseas put up 14, 15 points per game at like some good teams overseas. He's done really well when he comes back for the basketball tournament with the TBT. But with that KU team, it was like, okay, you have the Morris twins, you have Tyshawn Taylor, you have Thomas Robinson coming off the bench, like. That team was just so loaded. You have a, a senior Brady Morningstar that he just wasn't asked. Kind of like Jalen Coleman-Lance. Yeah. Like, there's another world where maybe if one other guy's not on the team, if Brady Morningstar has exhausted his eligibility by then and doesn't take a red shirt early in his career, that Mario Little is asked to play a bigger role and does that very well. But in his role he was asked to do, he played very well in it, and he did it for a couple seasons for you, so that's why he's in at uh, number eight. Number seven. Seventh on the list is Isaiah Moss. I thought about putting Mario Little ahead of him because Isaiah Moss. You know, uh, Little played the two years, but I think Moss had a real big impact on a team that was clearly the number one team in the country. 
played 30 games. He started nine, and those were coming at the end of the season. By the end of the year, he was making a real big impact. Like He started the game at Baylor in Waco, averaged eight points per game. That's basically what he was on the floor for. Averaged 2.3 rebounds. Everything else was under one. Wasn't a great defender. He was pretty much just asked to be out there to be a three-point shooter. Yeah, he he was really good. Yeah, he shot 6.8 field goals per game in about 25 minutes. 4.7 of them were from three. 35% from three, but that was his being like the guy where everybody was keeping an eye on him because that team didn't have a ton of three-point shooting. Doak, obviously not a three-point shooter. Devon Dotson struggled with this three-shot. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Garrett was not a three-point shooter. Ochai was a inconsistent at that point three-point shooter. He could get hot. He could get cold. Christian Brown off the bench was shooting good threes, but he was a bench player. So you needed the three-point shooting. Moss provided that. Also hit late free throws in games. He was 91% at the uh, free throw line. You'd keep him in late in games. He was a pivotal part of the number one team in the country. That's yes. why he's uh, ahead of Mario Little, who has multiple years. Isaiah Moss has a very special place in my own heart mm-hmm. because of actually his dad. Yeah. So for those, Isaiah Moss. Yes. For those that uh, are maybe are not aware, mm-hmm. on Twitter, his dad would literally respond to any tweet or quote tweet, any tweet about him with just simply two words Isaiah Moss. <laughs> And then I started doing it. And then he actually, I think he replied to me one time with it. Did he reply to you with Isaiah Moss? I think so. His dad did. Yeah. I I love that. So I was. That did add to the legend. Incredibly wholesome content. Just uh, Isaiah Moss. It's too bad that was pre NIL because they would have sold so many shirts that just Just said said Isaiah Isaiah Moss, Moss. right? I would have bought one. (laughs) I would have bought one. It was great. So yeah, he fit a very That alone gets him high on the list for me. Yeah, he did. Number six. That's what I'm going to If they get Badunga, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that with Badunga. But I'm Did just going to say Badunga. I'm not even going to say Flory. I'm just going to say Badunga. Number six. Okay, you really want me to get to six number here, don't you? Okay. I get it. I understand. <laughs> um, number six is Kevin Young. So Kevin Young's final season at KU is actually kind of similar in terms of points to Isaiah Moss and similar that he was playing a specific role. Actually, uh, both of them played in the 30 games. But Kevin Young started 32 games that last year for a team that went to Sweet 16. Eight points per game, seven rebounds per game, over a steal per game, over an assist, shot 58% on twos, really good role player, really good final glue guy type of starter. He also, though, and this is what gets him ahead of Isaiah Moss, he had the second year, and the second year, the numbers are kind of modest, 3.4 points per game, three rebounds, but it's 38 games played, 11 minutes per game on a team that went to the title game. And then you add on to that, that final season when he did have like solid numbers as that glue guy starter. Kevin Young was uh, certainly a fun one. Everybody remembers him for the Afro. So what I love about this, what I loved about this exercise is there are some guys maybe on some teams that maybe some KU fans might not remember were transferred, right? And yes. this guy, Kevin Young, might be an example of that, of a guy that people just kind of assumed was was a program-type player, right? Uh, so I thought that was really interesting, and certainly he was an important piece, and I think well-deserving of number six on the ranking. Yeah, started his career at Loyola Marymount. Interesting. Number five. Number five is Kevin McCuller. I'll be honest. When I first started putting together this list, I thought Kevin was going to be in the top two or three easy. But then yeah. Dude, you start when, when putting you get it down together, to it, it's, it's, yeah, it's tough. tough. It's tough. And it's tough because Kevin had just the one year. Now, let's say Kevin were to hypothetically come back this year. He could, in theory, move all the way up to number one. But we'll get to that shortly. I think just based on the one year alone, it's it, 
this is going to be more of a conversation when we release the other guys to compare and contrast. But, I mean, obviously a really good year to, to be in the top five. Yeah. Over 30 minutes per game. Started one of the best game. defenders in the country. 11 points, 7 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 2 steals per game. Filled it up. Uh, the three-point shot never really came around, but everything else did. He became, like, somebody who was getting more of a shot off the dribble, that spin move to the rim toward the end of the season, too. Great season for Kevin McCuller. And I... Like I said, I it's not a disservice that he's number five. Once I start reading off these top four guys, you're going to be like, okay, that makes sense. But there might be a little argument on our next guy. Uh, are we ready for the next one? Yes. Okay. Number Thank you for paying attention. I didn't know. Number four is Remy Martin. So this is an interesting discussion to me. This is interesting. Because I, I won think— Won a title. Right. Obviously. And that matters a lot. And it's not just that Remy won a title, it's that he was pivotal in you winning the title. Yes. You know But it was he but he was hurt or not playing was. most of the season. Remy started thirteen games. Kevin started thirty three. Remy played in thirty games. Kevin played in thirty four, but also Remy had more opportunities to play in games because of the, the title. Points per game, Kevin at ten point seven. Remy at 8.6. Minutes per game, Kevin at 30.6. Remy at 21.1. Um, assists, 2.5 for Remy, 2.4 for Kevin. Kevin, obviously, more rebounds, more steals, more blocks. Uh, Kevin shot better on two-point shots than Remy did. Remy obviously shot better from three, though, and uh, free-throw shooting was actually better for Kevin. If you just go on the body of work, if you just go on what they produced stat-wise, and also, like honestly, if you, did, if you did a blind test, player A, player B, yeah, it'd be picking, Kevin. You're picking hand, Kevin every time. Yes. Also, it would be if you viewed it as like Kevin was the what second or third best player. I don't know. It's tough. Third or fourth best. I don't know where you'd rank. Jalen and Dewan yeah, maybe one and third two. Third best player maybe. Is he ahead of Grady? Is he behind him? I don't know. Because uh, Grady, it's fourth. like all offense. I don't know. Yeah. Third or fourth, right? Yeah. With Remy, he's the sixth man, so to speak. So you could also have that going Kevin's way. But the reason I did have Remy in front of him. I think some of those stats are at least close enough, and it is just the title run. Well, and it goes back to impact, right? Sure. Like, the amount of impact that Remy had, you don't win a title without him. Correct. I mean, he, he kind of carried you in some of those games. Right. It'd be one thing if he, produ- if he produced those stats on a team that won the title and he just happened to be on it yeah. and was like, okay, off the bench. 100%. Kevin would be in front of him. But it is because, I mean, think about it. Remy, um, basically, he sort of won you the, the Creighton game. Like, that was a yes. super close game. Ochai was kind of off in that game, and Remy went for 20 points. Then against Providence, when nobody else was able to score on really both teams, he puts up 23 points, 7 rebounds. Then in the title game against North Carolina, he has 14 points and some of the biggest shots of the games, whether it's the step-back 3 over Baycott, the left-handed layup over Baycott, the corner 3 that he hit as part of that awesome run. That's why I have Remy in at number four. Do you four. think people will disagree with you and say that a national title is worth more than anything and he should be top two or higher up on the I list? I think so. I think some people will actually put him higher on this list. And I think okay. that's understandable, but I, I couldn't do it. Let's get into number, number three. Number three. Okay, so number three, Malik Newman. Mm, Malik I like Newman. One. I like this one. Here's why I have him ahead of uh, Remy Martin. Malik was Remy, but... On better steroids. version. So both played one year at KU. I mentioned Remy's numbers like eight points, three assists per game or whatever. Three rebounds, two and a half assists. Malik was at 14 points, five rebounds, two assists over a steal per game. He shot 42% from three, 51 from two, 46 from the field. He started 33 games. He played 39. The body of work is better for Malik than it is for Remy. And now you're talking about, well, Malik or, or Remy had the title. Malik did not. But if you just look at it from the standpoint of how well they played in March. Yes. Honestly, if you want to go back to the impact talk with Remy, Malik Newman averaged like 22 points per game in the tournament. Yes. That guy the was literally the Terminator. Like, if you switch Malik Newman with Remy Martin, 
Kansas is still winning the title last year. Yes. And Malik Newman might win Final Four MOP at that and, point. And KU with the the Malik Newman team with Remy, are they making are they making that run? Mm, probably not. They might get knocked out. Yeah. In the Sweet 16. Like, okay. This is Malik's run from the second round on. 28 points on four of eight from three, 17 points on four of seven from three, 32 points on five of 12 from three. And then even in the loss to Villanova, he had 21 points and eight rebounds. Like, he did everything Remy did, except better. He just was on a, a not as good team as Remy was. So I, I think Remy to me, or Malik, because you have the better body of work, because he still did the the March run, he just didn't win the title. He still made a Final Four. That's yeah. why I have him ahead. Number two. Second on the list is Diedrich Lawson. I thought for a second I was going to have him number one, but we'll get to why he's not number one. Yeah. The points and the rebound, like the production speaks for itself. Yeah. 19 and a half points, 10 one and of, a half one rebounds. Of three players to average over almost 20 points. Um, Let's see. Over an assist per game, over a steal per game, over a block per game. 51% on twos, 39% on threes, 81% at the free throw line. Those numbers are outrageous. The one thing that some people might put Malik or, you know, whoever ahead of Diedrich because good. the team wasn't as good. But, like, I understand there are certain things that maybe Diedrich prevented you from doing on the defensive end and, and because it wasn't the best fit in the world. Also, keep in mind, Udoka Azubuke got injured. But, like, this is what Diedrich Lawson did in the two NCAA tournament games. 25-11 and 11 and 25-10. and 10. It he, was not his he, fault. He did his part. No, that team just wasn't as good. So Diedrich was, I mean, he was an All-American. Everybody, every other player we named on this list was not an All-American. So True. that's why. Number one. Number one was also an All-American at one point. It's Jeff Withy. Wow. So I think if you're just taking the one season, you'd have Diedrich ahead of Jeff. I think if you're taking the one season, you might even have Malik Newman ahead of Jeff. But you get four years with Jeff Withy. And, and and two of them weren't like big players in the lineup, but two of them were. And one of them was on a national title runner-up. His final season, he put up almost 14 points, eight and a half rebounds, four blocks. He was the best defensive player in the country. And because you get multiple years out of it, that's why I have him at number one. Started his career at Arizona. Wow. It's quite the list. Yep. Well, if you think Derek is dead wrong, let us know. If Kevin comes back for another year and does exactly what he did this past season, but on a better team, does he wind up number one? I think he has a chance at it. Yeah, potentially. It's the same argument with Withy with the defense. All right. Uh, let me know what you think should be different there at RCST 1320. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. RCST Trivia next. This is KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into another day of RCST Trivia here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. RCST Trivia brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River at Print and Skate, Mini Jerseys, Jayhawk Trophy, Home Field Apparel, Sporting KC2, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash, one of our title sponsors, Pella Windows and Doors. Next trivia question, what Windows and Doors provider has been serving Kansas since 1957? The answer, your locally owned Pella Windows and Doors of Kansas with six showrooms across the state from Lawrence to Dodge City. Got a windows or doors project pella kansas is here locally owned and proudly serving jayhawks for over 65 years with windows and doors solutions for every home and any budget schedule your free consultation at pellacansas.com so we have a 4-5 matchup brian rainey kyle coffee then we'll have a 7-15 steve klein versus brett does and in the case of this 4-5 matchup it'll be in the 23rd street brewery region um you you certainly have a, circled brian this is here. a big matchup for me yeah because i have brian as sort of my top dog right now so he needs to come out and perform today so i'm hoping for a big showing from brian and listen kyle is definitely a worthy opponent you know we, we're getting to the point in the contest where we know what these guys are right mm -hmm. they've they have a couple games under their belt or a game under their belt 
We know what they are. We know what to expect coming in. So it's not any more of, oh, you could be caught off guard or anything. Like, no. You, you've seen it. You've seen your opponent on tape at least once. You understand what their knowledge base is. You understand what's going on here. You got to bring your A game. That's just how it goes with the further we get into the tournament. Yep, for sure. And uh, I do think maybe we've undersold Kyle a little bit. So could we he have, play with a no. chip, chip yeah, on Brian his shoulder? Brian has definitely taken up a lot of the limelight here. I mean, there's plenty of other guys in the 23rd Street Brewery region that I think could make a run. I just think Kyle's really, I just think uh, Brian is really strong. Yep. But I mean, Kyle could easily knock him off. I don't think it's that crazy to think. You know, it's a tournament setting. You have one question. You know, you get a jersey question, you get a really easy question that you miss or something, or, you know. Which, by the way, we have independently reviewed the really easy questions <laughs> off air to ensure that yeah. we don't have anything like that happen. There we go. All right, uh, let's just get into the matchup. So, the winner of this matchup moves on to the Sizzling 16 in the 23rd Street Brewery region. It's a 4-5 matchup, so those are always good. And for making it to the Sizzling 16, you will receive a gift card to the 23rd Street Brewery. Great spot to watch all the game actions. You can check out the outdoor patio, great beer, great service, great food. Uh, check them out in Lawrence. You will get a RCST Trivia t-shirt. That thanks to River App Print and Skate, where they have screen printing and embroidery options with promotional products their KU license they also have a skate shop as well with skateboards longboards paddleboards and safety gear and Sporting KC2 is going to provide you with a pair of tickets to an upcoming Sporting KC2 game right here in Lawrence over at Rock Chalk Park so uh, prizes up for grabs in this round Kyle let's start with you you are the five seed you got through Mike in the first round to move on to round number two my cohort Nick has been uh, really talking up Brian in this tournament so far. Do you feel like you have a chip on your shoulder? Do you feel like uh, you're going to be able to use that underdog mentality today? Oh, it'd be hard to say that I would be uh, ignoring everything that Nick has been saying about uh, Brian over here. So uh, I'm excited to face what uh, Nick seems to believe is a phenom. And so we're going to find out here, but uh, I'm excited. I'm excited guys. This is, this is always a good time. I'm just going to treat it like uh I'm the five seed at Auburn in 2019, mm. and Brian's the four seed KU, and I'm just going to come out hitting, trying to shoot threes and see what sticks. So let's uh, see where it goes. Well, wow. Brian, Brian, after after hearing that, how much Nick has been kind of talking you up, and and how much hype is, I mean, the one seed in your guys' region is gone. Do you feel added pressure now? Do you feel worse about this matchup? No, I, I appreciate the comments, but I'm I'm flattered, but I'm no feed on. I'm I'm just happy to be here. I know my opponent, and I'm. Just, just happy to be in the same room with them. All right. Well, uh, Kyle, over the course of your trivia career, you were sitting with a four and three record, eighteen and ten on questions. Brian, you were sitting at five and three, twenty-one and four on questions. You you have a sizzling sixteen under your belt, Brian. I think that was not last year, but I think it was the year before that you got to there. So, do you feel extra motivated now that you're back to the spot you were? I think a year ago when you fell in the second round. Yeah, I, I always want to win, and I hate losing. You have to think about that for a whole year. So I really, you know, I want to keep it going as long as I can. We'll, we'll see what happens. All right, well, Kyle, you are the lower seed as the uh, fives. You do have the option. Do you want to go first, or do you want to go second? I will go second, sir. All right, that means the pressure's on to start with you, Brian, and we'll head to the really easy round of questions. We, uh, after yesterday, have tried to make these a little less open-ended, but... Still enough to uh, try to get him. All right, Brian, for you in the really easy round. KU's primary colors are crimson and what other color? Blue. That's right. Originally, we were worried that that one, somebody was going to say yellow in the same vein as the Go KJ question yesterday, but we clarified it to primary colors. Yeah. (laughs) 
So, uh, that's okay. You, you live and you learn, and that's part of the process for us, too. But Brian gets the first one right. All right, Kyle, for you. What is KU's mascot, i.e. their team name? So I don't want actually the guy dressed up. What is, like, their team name, basically? Jayhawks. That's right. Jayhawk, Jayhawks. We would have accepted either. Um, and yes, that is the right answer there. All right, cool. We're through the really easy round without any controversy, which I appreciate. Uh, back to you, Brian, in the easy round. This KU coach won the Naismith College Coach of the Year Award in the 1996 to 1997 season. What's his name? Coach Williams. Yep, Coach Williams, Roy Williams, whichever way you wanted to say that, that worked there. Okay, for you, Kyle, in the easy round. This KU coach won Naismith College Coach of the Year in the 2011 to 2012 season. What's his name? Bill Self. That's right. Last two coaches at KU with Roy Williams and Bill Self. All right, cool. We're moving to the medium round, as you'd expect, in a second-round matchup, a 4-5 matchup. Should have a good one for us today. Back to you, Brian. Kansas made just three total three-pointers in their 2008 National Championship win over Memphis. Two of the three came from Mario Chalmers. Who made the other one? Sharon. That's right, and that was part of that comeback late in the game. He kind of got him going with that. I think he hit like a got a steal maybe, and then like a side three in the corner, something like that. It was it was certainly a big shot. All right, Sharon Collins is the correct answer there. Now back to you, Kyle. Pressure on to uh, keep us going into the hard round. Kansas totaled nine offensive rebounds in that 2008 national title game. Nine offensive rebounds. But who was the only player with more than one of them? So every player on KU who did have an offensive rebound only had one except for one guy. One guy grabbed five offensive rebounds as part of his double-double performance. Who would that be? Uh, the double-double is giving me a hint there. I'm going to say Darrell Arthur. And that's what that was for. You got to listen to the context. We've had people miss out because they don't hear all the context. Pay attention to the little phrases and words there. And that was a big one there to know for Darrell Arthur. So good job, Kyle. That's why you're a, uh, a veteran in this event. And now we're going to pick up the mood and the intensity. We're going to move to the hard round. And we're going to go back to you, Brian. All right, Brian. In the 1988 Elite Eight, Kansas overcame a two-point halftime deficit to win 71 to 58 over what school? K-State. That is right. K-State. That was a big one. And then KU obviously went on to win the national championship game. All right, Kyle, here's your hard question. In the 1993 Elite Eight, Kansas was four and a half point underdogs, but they won regardless 83 to 77 over what school? 93? Yes. God, I just looked at this too because UCL, or they beat Cal, I think, in the Sweet, or sweet 16, maybe, Matt. Um, Ten seconds. Uh, we're going to go with, um, it's not right, but I'm going to say Cal. Yeah, unfortunately, that was one yesterday. Cal was the Sweet 16, so that's probably you were listening along to that. And then if you look back on it, the correct answer, though, is Indiana. Yep. 
So I, I yep. said the answer there with Indiana. Is that one where after I refreshed your mind, you were like, yep. Yeah, especially after the uh, – when uh, I think during it yesterday, you were talking about Indiana and KU had some good matchups there in the 90s. And I looked at it this morning just to kind of a brief look at the NCAA tournament history with all of the games. And, and I knew that it was somewhere in there, and I just could not think of it. I thought it was going to be a red – I thought it was a red school, but I – for some reason, I was thinking UNLV, but I don't think there's really been any history there. So uh, frustrating for sure. But, um, you know, if I go out in the hard round, I'm fine with that every time. Yeah, it's funny for me. I always confuse with your point about the red school. I always confuse when which year they beat Arkansas and which year they beat Indiana. But it was 91 and 93. Uh, would you have got the 1988 question correct, Kyle? Yeah, because that's kind of when the tide turned a little bit. And the KUK State kind of K-State kind of controlled a little bit in the 80s there and that kind of seemed to be when the tide turned a little bit there. So yeah, I, I was, I was, I knew that one. So that hurts a little bit there, but uh, I'm sure Brian had the uh, Indiana one on lock ready for there for 93. So yeah, Indiana or uh, Brian, we've heard nineties uh, questions sometimes have been in your wheelhouse when it's been a little tougher for others. So I'm guessing, would you have known the the 93 one? I did. That was my era. So I was, I was, a stu- I was in college a long time. It's a long story, <laughs> but Late eighties, early nineties, that's my that's my era. That just means you had more years to enjoy KU basketball. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh well, well Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kyle, uh, appreciate you being a part of this as always, man. We hope we get you back, whether it's for uh, football or for basketball next year. And Brian, congrats, man. You're moving on to your second sizzling sixteen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Congrats, Brian. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, fun matchup there. Always good to have that. Uh, Kyle was, I forget if he was number one or number two headed into the uh, playoff last year in football. So, I mean, he... He'll be back with a vengeance yes, for football. We know that. Definitely a KU trivia guy. Yeah, and I mean, he. I, I feel bad because he... Uh, so we had Kyle Martin on yesterday. I don't, I don't know what it is. The, the Kyles have found a round that they live in. Kyle <laughs> Martin has been to the Sizzling 16 now all four years, but is still looking to get over that hump. Kyle Coffey has gotten to the second round all four years, but he's still looking to get over that hump. And like we've kind of talked about, just keep, you know, hammering at the rock, so to speak. Eventually, you'll crack through, and yeah. I, that'll be the case at some point here for Kyle. But. Yeah, and I've, he made a great point. You know, anytime you lose in the hard round, that's still a, that's right. still a good performance. Yep. Right? You can you can definitely hold your head high after a performance like that. 100%. But Brian Rainey, man, he's, he's 9-0 and in questions guys, this tournament. The guy is hot. He's he hot. Is. He's red hot. He is. So he'll get the winner of the 16-seed Chris Freeman and the 9-seed Nathaniel Abeda. Uh, once again, RCC Trivia, one of our title sponsors, Johnny's Tavern. In 2023, Johnny's Tavern is celebrating its 70th year anniversary, and that's good news for you because they'll be having all sorts of specials at your local Johnny's. Of course, they're going to have the 70th anniversary celebration at the original location in North Lawrence. There's 13 locations now from Topeka to the newest store in Raymore, Missouri. And you know what the weather heating up. Ice cold beer sounds good. Try the blue collar lager, a beer you can only get at Johnny's that's brewed by Free State Brewing Company. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. That is our first trivia matchup of the day. We still got one more to go. It is going to be a 7-15 matchup between Steve Klein and Brett Doze in the Pella Windows and Doors region. Winner will take on Kyle Martin from yesterday. We'll get to that next on RCST Trivia on KLWN. Depend on it. 
Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Kevin Flaherty will join us in our next segment, but one more RCST trivia matchup today. It's the 7 seed Steve Klein versus the 15 seed Brett Doze. Winner will take on Kyle Martin in the Sizzling 16 in the Pella Windows and Doors region. RCST trivia brought to you by our title sponsors, Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, and River at Print and Skate. River at has screen printing and a skate shop. They have embroidery and promotional products available with art and logo creation and their KU licensed skateboards, longboards, Paddleboards and safety gear. They have a large selection of shoes and apparel from well-known skate brands. And they can help you out with custom apparel like our trivia shirts and our trivia hats. Give them a follow on Instagram at river underscore rat underscore print for the print shop and at river rat skate shop, all one word for the skate side, or give them a call at 785-371-1660. This should be a fun little matchup here. Yes. To me, this is very much a coin flip. I think this could go either way. Steve was really strong in his opening matchup. In fact, he 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 basically knew a really hard question. He just missed the middle initial, which was unfortunate. But uh, certainly, his knowledge is there, right? Yeah, that would have been Whereas, our only to this point really hard correct answer. Yeah, and and then obviously Brett beating the two seed. Is he riding high off of that? Maybe he didn't study as much after the big win. What's what's his mindset coming into the matchup? Yeah, for sure. And we saw Brett go to the hard round and, and get the victory, but maybe not as tested because we have multiple matchups for Steve Klein. So I think we're going to find a lot more out about Brett today, and we're going to see if Steve can set up the rematch. He lost in the second round to Kyle last year. He, uh, with a win, could yeah, so the face off against him in the 16. Yeah, Kyle Martin. Yep. Yeah. So we're gonna the, we're gonna know pretty quickly a season of sixteen matchup. Yep, that's for sure. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and let's get into our next trivia matchup. So this is a seven fifteen matchup. Uh, Steve Klein advancing to the second round for the second straight year, and if he wins, he'll set up a rematch in the sizzling sixteen of who he lost to in the second round last year. For Brett Doe's, he pulled off one of the upsets of the tournament. It has been the tournament of upsets. Uh, you upset the two seed Doug Crumpton Murray. Brett, let's start with you. Do you feel like you're riding high after that upset? You know, I feel like there's a lot more pressure this time. Uh, I got to try to, you know, come out and prove that it wasn't just a fluke and that I kind of actually know something. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I, I guess in the immediate aftermath, was it validation for you? Was it celebration, pure joy? What were kind of your emotions right after? Yeah, a little bit of celebration, a little bit of validation, a uh, little bit of just luck. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's just the questions you get. So we'll see. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, Steve, uh, you had the closest that anybody got to answering a really hard question. You basically got it right, but it was the most, you know, tiniest micro technicality that you didn't get it right of all, but nobody's answered a really hard question right. That was without a doubt the closest, and you ended up getting through, moving on to the second round. This is the round you fell in last year. Do you feel like you're extra motivated to get over that hump? Um, I actually, the answer to that would be yeah. I, I, I do. I, I didn't really think I would would I kind of you know last year was just it was fun I didn't really know about this whole thing and I, I got someone told me about it and suggested that or gave my name to you or whatever and and I was like okay whatever and then I did it and didn't really think much about it but I thought it was cool and so this time I got back into it and I'm a lot more into it this year I think it's really neat Steve does the possibility of a rematch in the next round with the team that beat you last year is that uh, is that on your mind at all I mean Competitively, that, that that's that's great, but I I'll worry about that later. I, I think I've got my hands full right now. Yeah, all right, that's good. Keep keep your focus because Brett is a tough competitor. All right, this should be a fun one. Well, uh, Brett, you are the lower seed here, so do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I'll go first. 
Okay. Brett's going to go first. Steve is up second. We'll start in the really easy round of questions. First to you, Brett. Name your favorite all-time KU basketball player. That was probably the toughest really easy round question ever. Uh, (laughs) But I'm going to go with Frank Mason. I mean, you could have lied and we wouldn't have known. So it would have been the right answer no matter what. But yeah, (laughs) Frank Mason is the answer for uh, a lot of people. Okay, Steve, for you, your first question. Name your favorite all-time KU basketball player, but you can't choose Frank Mason. Right. Um, yeah, I guess I'll show my age here. and uh, That has to be Danny Manning. That's a good one. That is a good one. Most accomplished player in KU history. All right. We're through the really easy round. We're going to go up to the easy round now. Back to you, Brett. What Jayhawk big man who wore the number 45 jersey earned AP All-America first team honors in the 1996 to 1997 season. Rafe LaFrance. Yep, big Rafe. Absolute stud in his time at KU. All right, Steve, your easy question. What Jayhawk big man who wore the number 13 uniform earned AP All-America first team honors in the 1956 to 1957 season? Wilt Chamberlain. Yep, that's right. We used to joke around all the time, and it's kind of true. If you don't know the answer to something, just lob out Danny Manning or Wilt Chamberlain, and those have been your first two answers, which is fun here. (laughs) Okay, we're going to move up to the medium round. Back to you, Brett. In KU's 2002 Sweet 16 win over Illinois, what All-American for Kansas tied for the team lead with 15 points and had a team-best 13 rebounds to boot? Go with Drew Gooden. That's right. You had a, a couple interesting answers you could have gone with there. Could have gone with Nick Collison or, or somebody else, but the key phrase there was All-American, which I believe Nick was All-American is next year. Not that year. I could be wrong with that, but Drew Gooden is the correct answer. Okay, Steve, for you to move us to the hard round. In KU's 2011 Elite Eight loss to VCU, what All-American for Kansas led the team with 20 points and 16 rebounds. Um, Marcus Morris. That's right. That's right. Always scary whenever you get a Morris twin, just to make sure you get the right one. But Marcus was the correct answer there. He was the All-American. And it's kind of a forgotten game. 20 and 16. That's a heck of a game. But unfortunately, things didn't go KU's way or Marcus's way. All right. Head to the hard round. Both our matchups today. Always nice when that happens. And we're going to go back to you, Brett. This is where you were victorious last round. Two players tied for a team-high 16 points in KU's 79-73 Final Four win in 1991 over North Carolina. Name one of the two. I'm going to go with Harry Brown. No, the answer there is Adonis Jordan or Mark Randall? Those were the two answers. Terry Brown, not a bad guess. Those are the two. And Steve, you now have a chance to get the elimination in the hard round. Steve, KU downed Arkansas in the Elite Eight that same tournament in 1991 behind 26 points on 11 of 14 shooting from what player? Lonzo Jameson. 
Yep, and that was one that you seemed to just know kind of right off the bat based on how quickly you answered it there. Um, I think a lot more people maybe remember the Jameson one, but that's why we gave the two-answer possibilities for the other one that Brett got. Uh, Steve, let me ask you this, though. If you would have got the other question about the 16 points in the uh, 1991 Final Four, would you have guessed either Adonis Jordan or Mark Randall, or would you have got that one wrong? Yeah, I, I would have got that one, but I think I have an advantage with my age on, on the 91 ones. <laughs> yeah, the, sometimes people just, you know, that's their wheelhouse. Different years, different eras. Uh, for some people, it, it ends up, you know, helping them. And other times it hurts them if they know the 90s stuff, maybe more than the early 2000s, because that's when they were in college or something. Uh, Brett, for you, I mean, uh, unfortunately, you go out here, but I think you got to hold your head high. You upset a two seed, uh, you make it to the second round, you, you fall in the hard round, which never no shame or never any shame in that. I, I think very clearly, we hope we get you back in trivia next year because I, I think you uh, probably won't have a double digit seed next to your name. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being back next year, and um, awesome job, Steve, and best luck to you going forward. And Brett, would you have known the Thank answer you. to the uh, Alonzo Jameson one there? Probably not. I The two that I was thinking of between were Terry Brown and Adonis Jordan. That was going to be my second guess, unfortunately. But So oh, I probably would have missed that one, too. Yeah, that's tough, though, if you would have just lobbed out that other guest there. Well, uh, Steve, you're moving on. So, so Nick asked you the question before about the possible revenge matchup. And now that you have gotten through, now that you can focus on that matchup, do you have any thoughts on it or words for Kyle? I mean... I was put in my place last year. I I, I knew my stuff, and so I I know I'm I'm up against it. Uh, but uh, as a competitor, I mean, what else can you ask for? You know. All right. Well, guys, we appreciate it. Brett, we'll see you next year, man. And uh, Steve, see you next week. Thanks. Thank you. Another fun matchup. Always love it when both yep. matchups go to the heart. But this is what we expect once we get yes, to the second round. Exactly. Right? Yes. the The level of competition is elevated. This is this is my this is my expectation going from here on out. You you better know your stuff. If you made it to the second round. Obviously, you've got the base of knowledge, but I'm except I'm expecting a step up uh, when you get to the deeper in the tournament. Now, I, I will say I just have one thing that I mm -hmm. want to say. I just really, really want somebody to be like, "Man, I am going to absolutely <laughs> annihilate my next opponent. They are going to have their soul crushed. I am going to destroy them. No mercy. Mm -hmm. I'm bringing the pain. I just want somebody. Yeah. I just want one person to say that. We we one. need a villain. We need a villain in the tournament. Just That's what Nick Schwartz was like, going to provide, but then dude, he no show. I am going to absolutely crush my opponent. I'm going to rip their heart out. I'm going to steal their thunder. I am going to destroy their soul. I just want one person. One. Yeah, do I, mean, I, I don't blame anybody for being humble. Listen, and I don't get playing the respect game, headlines, but, but come on. It this would is RCST trivia. Come yeah, on. It would be fun. It would be fun. So, yeah, I mean, if you, if you are listening to this and you're like, you know, I'll be the villain of the tournament and you want to talk trash, then, you know. Get we in understand. there. Yeah, do it. Do your thing. Um, no, but we appreciate everybody is, you know, everybody's well mannered and well behaved and humble and everything. But yeah, I mean, we're we're totally cool with that. Um, but yeah, man, Steve is is I think nine and one on questions now, and, and yep. the one miss was obviously that that extremely close question and the really hard that he basically got right, but just couldn't get through on the technicality. And um I'm really excited. Both for him Brett. and Brian have really shown both advancing today, both have really shown their worth. They're both yes. tied for the most trivia correct answers so far in this tournament. I'm, I'm really excited for Brett though. I think he's going to be a strong mainstay competitor in the future. I mean, he Yeah, he just ran into a tough second round matchup. I mean yeah, yeah. if you're if you're looking at strength of schedule, he probably has the toughest one from this tournament, right? 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Had to play yeah. Doug in the two, then then got by him. Then Steve is a really tough seven seed. 100%. And I think, I mean, Steve's clearly going to move up the seed line as well because last year he just lost in the, the second round. So I think he went from like, a, I don't know, an 11 seed to a seven. Like next year he'll probably be, I don't know, I guess it depends if he Four wins his five. next matchup. But yeah, he could be anywhere yeah. in that. If he wins his next matchup, he'll be a you know a, a two a seed four. at that point. Yeah, at least um, But yeah, worst case, he's probably a four or five. And then with with Brett, he'll move up and, and be a single digit seed. He'll probably even like he could go to like the six or the seven line or something like that yeah, based on what he showed. He went seven and one on questions this this tournament. So yeah, uh, you know sometimes you just run into a competitor who happened to uh, hit the wheelhouse for the questions there, or happens to be kind of a buzzsaw. And I think it was a little bit of both with Steve. But yeah, Brett clearly knows his stuff. So. Yeah, I mean Steve definitely. If you if you give him a '90s question, it feels like he's going to have a pretty good. Which is funny because I feel like that's the same that's thing with Brian. Brian. Yes, and that was maybe the theme of today. Yes. So if if you know later in the tournament if like if those guys somehow meet each other in the championship or something like mm, we should only ask questions. 90s questions we should plan it at that point <laughs> see who can see who can go the furthest but yeah yeah so I'm excited for Brett uh, I'm I, I'm sure it was disappointing to lose but he's I think he's got a bright future in RCST trivia. RCC Trivia, one of our title sponsors, 23rd Street Brewery. Great spot to watch all the game actions. You can check out the patio, perfect for the heating weather. You can even bring your dog. They've got great service, great beer, great food. Check them out in Lawrence. Our prizes, by the way, so Steve won this today. Brian won it today. Andrew and Kyle won it yesterday. You get a gift card to 23rd Street Brewery. You get a RCST Trivia t-shirt from River at Print Skate. And you get tickets to a sporting KC2 game, so... We're going to have 12 more people advancing on over the next three days. We actually have really short shows scheduled for Thursday and Friday because KU baseball plays at 4 o'clock, so we're going to be out <laughs> uh, at like 3.50 yeah. both days. So we're going to try to get you all the trivias, yeah. but there could be a situation where we don't have enough time during the live show, and then we have to play the full entirety of the trivias on just the podcast, yeah. and then we'll just pick what were the best matchups so for the live show. If, yeah, so if you're so a, li- we'll if you're we'll a live show listener and you want to hear all the, yes. all the uh, trivia, you might have to check out the podcast afterwards. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, our, our matchups coming up tomorrow, by the way, uh, we will have Eric Hansey versus Michael Plank. That's the 1-8 matchup in this very region, the Pella Windows and Doors region. Then we'll have two matchups in the Johnny's Tavern region, Andrew Filer versus Skylar Johnson. That's the 2-7. And then Justin Nichols versus Jess Coffey in the one Every matchup, matchup is just, every every matchup is, is scrumptious. <laughs> I love it. Is that good a good word? Good word. Yeah. Scrum, scrum diddly umptious. Yes. He is uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our CST trivia for the day. Kevin Flaherty, though, will join us next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, don't forget, we're having some uh, weather updates going on right now. If you miss anything during the show because of the weather update, which I don't know, we might be having one right now, so you might not be able to hear me, but uh, you can check everything out on the Best of RCST podcast. Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports joins us now on the show, and since we last talked to you, I would say uh, a minor addition to the KU basketball team, Hunter Dickinson chose KU. We uh, actually had Isaac Trotter, who uh, you work on with the way too early top 25 rankings on the show last week, and uh, it was actually kind of good timing there because we got to ask him about, you know, does that make where, where does it put KU in, in the rankings? And he actually wrote another piece talking about KU's case for being the number one team in the country. And he said on the show that he did have them ahead of Duke. How, how tough of a conversation, Kevin, is it for you about who the number one team in the country should be next year? It was tough, and you know Isaac and I have the uh, the DM receipts to prove it. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't the sort of thing that you know was was decided in, in a minute. I don't think you know it might not have even been decided in five minutes. And and for a lot of the picks that we make, you know, it, it's a lot more like 
hey, what do you think of this six through ten? You know, hey, move this team up a spot or, or whatever else. And so it's a lot quicker. But with Kansas and Duke, you know, it, it kind of revolved around the fact that we, we felt like Kansas had gotten significantly better. You know, Duke still has the, the question of whether Jeremy Roach returns. We, we think he will. Um, losing McKenzie and Bachpo uh, from the Duke side was, was another blow, too, because you're, you're not entirely sure, you know, how Duke is going to line up in that front court, especially since Duke sort of entered the transfer portal and, and most people thought they were going to go get a transfer five so that Filipowski could, uh, could stick at the four. They haven't really done that. To this point, you know, barring a surprise. And, and so, you know, Duke maybe slid just ever so slightly, uh, still a, a strong contender for number one. I, I know, um, Joe Lunardi's, uh, bracketology came out today and Duke was, uh, was his number one, but we wound up moving Kansas just ahead of Duke. And, you know, it was, it was a combination of Hunter Dickinson. Uh, it was a combination of where Kansas sits in the recruitment for McKenzie and Bachpo. And, you know, the other transfer additions that they've made as well. And so we really felt like Kansas had upgraded the roster to the point that uh, that, that you could legitimately make that argument that Kansas was, was the number one team in the country. We didn't so much measure it, you know, head-to-head because that's not necessarily as weird as it sounds. The best measurement for, hey, is this team better than another player? another team so it wasn't hey would KU or Duke win on a neutral court it was more just hey who's who's the best setup for success next year and and ultimately we wound up going with Kansas but it was a it was a tough discussion if there is when you look at the roster construction right now if there is something that holds KU back from hitting that potential what would you assume that would end up being yeah i think that four spot is really Interesting. You figure Hunter Dickinson's going to plug and play at the at the five, and so at the four you have KJ Adams, who played the five all last year, didn't you know really shoot the ball, and so around Hunter Dickinson, you would think that you would want somebody at that spot that uh, that would bring a little more shooting to the court, you know, and, and that's where I think that McKenzie and Bachpo recruitment is is kind of interesting because if Kansas gets him, he's a guy that that has that body type to, to play the four. He's somebody that can stretch the court with his jumper. Uh, I think that's the one spot that, that you kind of circle. I think you feel like the general roster shooting is getting there. You know, obviously Hunter Dickinson shot the ball really well last year. It's not like he shoots it a ton, but but that's a, a club in his bag, so to speak. You know, Dewan Harris doesn't shoot all that often, but, you know, was was fairly effective when he did shoot it. Arterio Morris shot the ball really well down the stretch last year and really seemed comfortable from distance over the last, you know, 13, 15 games, whatever it was. And then obviously you have the addition of Nick Timberlake, who is a really high-level shooter, a guy that's made 173 pointers, I think, over the last two years, shot just over 41% over those two seasons. And so that was kind of the concern in our very first, like, way too early ranking that comes out the day of the national title game. I think ours comes out before anybody else's, and sometimes that really stinks because we can't look at and see where, where other people are are going to rank and make sure, like, oh, yeah, we, we might have forgotten about that team. But that was our concern at first was, hey, Kansas is going to bring that back to Juan Harris. 
They're going to bring back K.J. Adams. Maybe they need a little star power, but even more than that, where's the shooting going to come from? And I feel like Kansas did a really nice job of answering a lot of those questions. Is there a player on KU's roster that you think gains the most, that um, by having Hunter Dickinson on the team, it's going to help them, or it just makes a good fit for next next to Hunter Dickinson the most? Yeah, I think DeWan Harris, it, it really helps him. And I think that's probably the obvious answer. You know, when you, you look at them, you know, playing pick and roll, but also, you know, when you when you think of pick and roll, people think about the roll game. Kansas didn't really have a pick and pop game last year. And so having a little bit more of that where, you know, Hunter Dickinson can step out if somebody is, is shading too much toward the rim to stop him from rolling to the basket, you know, he can step out and make that shot. And at the same time, he attracts enough attention as a roll guy or a pop guy that it's going to open up some driving lanes for Dewan Harris. And he's somebody that's shown in the past. He has some craft with the way that, that he's able to finish in the lane. He's got that little floater. And, and so I think it's really going to help Dewan Harris out quite a bit. I, I think when you look a little bit beyond that, if Kansas does add somebody like McKenzie and Bakpo, it could really help McKenzie because uh, I think – you look at his ability to, to shoot the ball off the catch. He's maybe going to get some cleaner looks than he would get in, in another situation. He maybe wouldn't have to lean as much into his ball handling or things like that that he needs to work on. And so, you know, he has a chance to come out there, look really good with an NBA body and knock down some shots and, and still look pretty good for NBA scouts. And so he's somebody else that if Kansas does get him or, or get somebody like that, you know, you could see that really benefiting them as well. Yeah, with Mackenzie and Baco, Derek and I were having this discussion earlier in the show about between Kansas and Indiana, at Kansas he would be maybe the third or fourth option on the team, right, which would give him a chance to maybe play with a better team and have a chance to shine. But do you think the possibility of the idea of him going to a place like Indiana and being the guy and having all the spotlight on him would that be more appealing, you think? You know, I don't know if that option exists at Indiana with some of the guys coming back. You know, Xavier Johnson coming back, Malik Renew had being there for another year. You know, you look at, at some of the guys at, at Indiana, and I, I do think, you know, he maybe has a chance to move up a spot or so in, in the pecking order, but I don't think it's I don't think it's as simple as saying, hey, you go to Indiana, you're going to average 15 points a game. You go to Kansas, you're going to average 10 points a game, but it's going to be for a better team. Uh, I really think that, that maybe there are some obstacles at Indiana, too, to him being, you know, sort of the guy all, all the time there as well. And, you know, it's, it, it's an interesting, it, it's an interesting comparison when you look at the two of them and when you look at, at the way that, uh, that Indiana is, is going to play this year. And, and I think that, he has a he's good enough that he has a chance to where he's going to have starring moments i feel like wherever he goes whether whether that's at kansas whether that's at indiana you know indiana getting Kalel Ware as well i don't think Ware is necessarily going to be their you know leading scorer necessarily but i do think that with xavier johnson being their point guard you're going to probably see quite a bit of pick and roll between those two as well, where you really try to tap into where's athleticism, his finishing ability above the rim and, and Johnson's ability to, to kind of key the scoring from the backcourt. And so I, I think he's going to be really good wherever he goes. I think both teams have a chance to be really good. I don't know if Indiana with 
With McKenzie is a national title contender. Obviously, Kansas already being number one, you would you would probably think that that Kansas would remain a national title contender with him being there. But I think there are pluses and minuses for both places. If they did land McKenzie and Baco, how would you like? Would you predict that he starts over KJ Adams or that he starts next to KJ Adams? Like, could he play the three next to KJ at the four? I guess. How would you? Uh, expect that to go I think it, it'll be interesting because I think that it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Kansas go with a bigger lineup early on and, and maybe McKenzie's at the three maybe KJ's at the four uh, next to Hunter Dickinson but at the same time you've kind of seen Bill Self's ability to not just adapt but also his willingness to adjust to sort of his more efficient lineups. And I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised because of McKenzie's skill set if Kansas's more efficient lineup winds up being something more like McKenzie at the four and KJ kind of splitting his time between the four and the five and Uday getting time at the five as well. I think when you look at Hunter Dickinson and what he brings to the court, you look at how Kansas is going to want a space around him, I really think that it makes a lot of sense to just kind of have as much shooting out there around him, you know, as possible. And maybe it's, maybe it's the sort of thing where, where Kansas feels like it's going to be really good defensively. If it's, if it's bigger with KJ and with McKenzie out there, and then, you know, maybe even somebody like El Marco Jackson at the two where he's really long and ranging a good defender, Arterio Morris, who's, who's flashed really well defensively, but we kind of saw, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a little bit like the 2019, 2020 season where you started off the season with David McCormick at the four and Yudoka Azubuki at the five, and they kind of shifted, you know, mid-season, and and Marcus Garrett essentially wound up being the four. You wound up pulling in Isaiah Moss off the off the bench to start, and they started going with with more, maybe a, a little bit smaller ball lineup around Yudoka Azubuki. It wouldn't surprise me to see them attack this year in a similar way to start out, maybe a little bit bigger. But as the year goes on, as McKenzie gets a little more comfortable in those different things, if they wind up downshifting a little bit. We we had one question earlier today that we, me and Nick were just kind of talking about, and I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but obviously in two days, May 11th is the deadline for players to enter into the portal, right? Um is that something where players who are in the NBA draft process, because right now basically this pertains to if they didn't land McKenzie and Baco, um, who would be other options? And even if they do, they still have a scholarship open. Who would be even other options right now that they'd be kind of looking to in the portal and recruiting? And, and there's not a ton of them that I, I think would make a lot of sense and that seem realistic. Like, obviously, it'd be like, oh, go get Ron Holland. But I don't know how realistic that would be. Um, so I, I guess then it would open up, well, what players are in the NBA draft process that would enter the portal? Do they have to enter by May 11th as well? Like, wouldn't that be public also? Or is that something that could be kept secret until they do decide to come back from the draft. I guess, do you have any idea on how that kind of process works? Yeah, it, so it would be public. And my understanding is that entering by May 11th basically grants you the opportunity for automatic eligibility if, if it's your first time transferring. My understanding is that if you come in after that, you're going to need a waiver to transfer and get immediate eligibility. So it's not that let's just throw out a theoretical here. 
um, Kentucky's Chris Livingston. If Livingston were to decide to come back and enter the transfer portal, then I believe he would have to get a waiver uh, to to be able to play this next season. But I, you know, I'm not sure how the NCAA would would deal with that. Yeah, I think it's they're trying to limit it to those windows, and that's why you see people sort of concurrently declaring for the draft and going to the transfer portal to keep that window open. And so I don't know how many players are, are actually going to, to try that. Certainly they don't want they don't want a situation where players are, are declaring all year long or are not fitting into certain windows, but at the same time, you know, that would that would be my understanding or my, you know, sort of educated guess on that one. Okay, and, and so then I guess to that notion, maybe that opens up the possibilities of the player pool here. So let's say they didn't land in Baco. Who, what like logical player or, I don't know, are there any fits that would interest you there that, that would be possibly available? Oh, I, I don't think Livingston's coming back, but he would be, he would be you know, maybe 1A. I, I think that he is the guy that would really fit at that four spot for Kansas with, his length, the way that he plays is so powerful. He defends, you know, I think that he would be a guy that would make a lot of sense. My understanding is that he's sticking in, but he was somebody, Derek, that when the when the offseason first hit and we were looking at sort of, okay, who's going to stay, who's definitely going to go, and and we're kind of looking at how these things were, were going to play out. Livingston was somebody that we had circled for for Kansas, and the reason why was we felt like it, it made so much sense as a fit. I'm sure there are other guys out there, but that's one off the top of my head where if he were to to decide to come back, and again, I I don't think that he's going to, but if he decided to come back and and do so while entering the transfer portal, I I do think that that's a name that would generate a lot of buzz from the Kansas side, or at least should generate a lot of buzz from Kansas. I want to I want to do a, a new little segment thing to, to finish up with you every week, and I think we've we've tossed around doing this in the past, but I, I want to make it more consistent now. Um, in-state recruits from the state of Kansas for football, I would like, if possible, and if if you don't have one for this week, that's fine. We can start it next week, but if there's even one, I, I would like to do a a in-state high school athlete of the week and why you think. Uh, that player is is going to be good, and uh, I don't know, just information about them. Do Do you have anybody off the top of your mind? I should have prepped you for that. No, I <laughs> there there are some interesting guys that are starting to really pop up in the 2025 class, and one of the guys that that has done so here at uh, at recent combines is a kid named Keaton Jones. He's a defensive tackle out of uh, Field Kindley down in Coffeeville, and Derek, I, he showed up at a combine up here in Kansas City, and again, he's still a sophomore in high school. So, in 2025, he'll be a junior next fall. He's six foot four, 315 pound defensive <laughs> tackle. He has a six foot nine wingspan. Oof. He has ten inch hands, <laughs> and he ran the forty in five two. Okay. <laughs> so when you so when you're when you're looking at that class, you know, and I cho- I purposely chose, you know, there are guys in that class that are getting a lot of offers. You know, Aquinas is Juju Marks just pulled in USC today yeah, as a 2025 kid. Um, Jaden Woods is, you know, in my opinion, the best player in the state, and 
and has a lot of national offers as well. Andrew Babalola is a guy that that we kind of stumbled onto this spring. Who's you know a six foot seven offensive tackle that you know is uh, is picking up some major offers. He got in Nebraska today. But in terms of guys that you know haven't really gotten offers or, or haven't really gotten attention yet, that I think you know it's going to come. Keaton Jones at Field Kinley in 2025. It seems like a a pretty pretty safe bet with him already being that big, already being that athletic. He's still really raw, but you know you uh, you can't make him big and quick. And and when they are big and quick, they have a tendency to. Uh, tendency to get a lot of attention that's for sure i will start calling this every week the uh kansas prep athlete of the week or something like that so uh uh i appreciate you you doing that off the cuff like i said i should have prepared you for that but you handled it very well kevin i appreciate the time as always man all right thanks a lot guys all right that's kevin flaherty check out his work 24 7 sports you can also give him a follow at k flaherty 24 7 on twitter with nick springer i'm Derek johnson two hours down one to go. Don't forget, uh, if you're missing anything because the weather updates, you can check it out on the Best of RCST podcast. Do we give a bleep next? This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Another uh, little disclaimer here. We've been having weather updates on our station all day long, as you would imagine, here with local radio, which, uh, yeah, the weather's a little crazy. Um, it's going to rain. Yeah, it kind of already is. Um so if, if you miss any segments because we get interjected by the weather, don't forget you can check out anything you did miss, whether it's the trivia or interviews or segments, on the Best of RCST podcast, wherever you find any of your podcasts. All right, we're going to bring back the uh, return of Do We Give a Bleep. Let's get things going here. First up on Do We Give a Bleep. Okay. Hunter Dickinson took to Twitter. And okay. he tweeted a thing. Okay. That it says I Y K Y K, which stands for Ick Yick. No, I'm just joking. Um, it stands for If You Know, You Know. And okay. it is a GIF of like a submarine radar. Yes. So like the green radar, and you have the little blip, yeah. the dot, right? And it's yeah. doing the thingy. Um, great, great, great way of figuring that out. Uh, so it is doing that. Now, okay. Mackenzie and Baco earlier today. It was narrowed it down to two. Narrowed it down to two. Do we think Hunter Dickinson? Do we give a bleep about Hunter Dickinson's tweet? I guess is the first part here. And do we think he knows something? Um, I don't really give a bleep about Hunter Dickinson's tweet because, uh, like, he's not the guy that's going to be the determining factor of the Baco coming to KU, right? So, like, is it fun and games? But listen, I have been very consistent with my takes when it comes to this kind of stuff on social media. I don't like it. I think it's stupid. Anytime guys will go on there and tweet IMOGs, tweet whatever the hell. I hate all that crap. Okay? So me personally. That's why you hate Odell Beckham. Yes. So I do not give a. <laughs> um, so I, I don't about the tweet itself, but I do about what it could represent. Okay, but also sure, like, fine. Yeah, no, that's same with me, I guess. I don't care about the tweet. But also, but I guess, like, so I, I don't care because of the fact that, like, whether Hunter Dickinson did that or not. I would care about the situation. I mean, that's our job. It's Rock Chalk Sports Talk, right? <laughs> also, so I guess we have to care a little bit. I feel very good about Mackenzie and Baco picking Kansas and but, Hunter Dickinson. But did you feel good about it prior to the tweet? Yeah. So the tweet doesn't really matter then. But it makes you, you feel maybe a tad, maybe 1% better? You think so? Sure. Okay. I don't think it makes you feel okay. worse. No, that's fine. No, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah I what if he's that. just actually going on a submarine? 
Would he fit on a submarine? He's too tall, probably. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I've only met one guy who worked on a submarine, and he mm. was not that tall. <laughs> well, he was taller than me, though. So. It's like I thought, like air or uh, not airline pilots, uh, like. In the Air Force, like a lot of the fighter jets, you have to be a certain. You can't be too tall. Well, a lot of fighter listen, jets are. The Kentucky Derby was on Saturday. You have to be a certain size to be a, a jockey. Like Hunter Dickinson could never be a jockey. In the well, Kentucky I Derby. think he technically could. No, it's he just could that not. It's not good. He would not. You need no. to be smaller to be better at it. Can you imagine him? Like on with a horse? the Air Force, it's like you know you legitimately cannot fit. Like he could fit on a horse that just wouldn't run. The horse would be like lugging back. It'd be like, dude, what did this guy eat today? Well, and also there's no aerodynamics because he's seven sure, one. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Um. Okay, do we give a bleep? I have seen a bunch of mock drafts popping up for 2024 already. I only give a bleep if Jalen Daniels is on the list. Otherwise, I do not. <laughs> so I, I've seen that ESPN, you know, Pro Football, The Athletic, all, all these different sites have it. And I, I'm sure it gets a lot of clicks because I, I guess, I don't know. I'm back there and forth on this. People, there are a lot of people that are such football junkies yeah. that they will eat that stuff up when it's April and May. So I'm because afraid there's nothing else going on. Because if I say that I don't give a bleep, it makes me a bit of a hypocrite. Because I definitely did click on at least one of the sites. Because in my mind, I wanted to look through it and I wanted to see what players should be I'd be okay, on the so lookout you definitely for. Definitely give a bleep. So I guess I do. I guess I do. I I will give a bleep if Jalen Daniels is on it. Well, I I just get because to me it's like a registration of being like what college football player should I be looking out for this next season? Like, okay, yeah, you know, it's just, no, that's it, fair. It, it just so gives you, you a little preview. You on don't here. give a bleep for like the actual draft side no. of it. You care more about like oh this as a college yes. guy that these guys are talking about, so he must be good. Yes, and then I'm like okay maybe I should go check that guy out. Like next okay, year if sure, this fine. team's playing yeah. that team, I'll watch the game okay. and, and see what this kid's about. I think that's but fair. from the draft perspective itself, I don't really. Because of the fact that, like... It could change. So a what? lot of it's going to change. I mean, the year Joe Burrow got drafted number one or whatever... He was projected like he a, was, what, sixth-round yeah, pick? Yeah, he was not on anybody's board to start the season. There's going to be people who rise... Up, like, probably half the players who are projected to be first-round picks now are not going to be first-round picks. Easily. You know, there, there's going to be a bunch of new players on there. So, from that standpoint, I don't. Okay. Do we give a bleep? The Westminster Dog Show is happening right now. Do we give a bleep? No. I don't... <laughs> no. Not at all. Because I won't watch it. Why not? You don't care about the best in show? So I care about dogs? I don't yeah, care exactly. about the dog Are you show. Saying you hate dogs? No, I love dogs. I have a dog then back why home. Why would you watch the Westminster Dog Show? Because I love ice cream, but I don't need to watch a live stream of ice cream being made. <laughs> you know? I don't see the correlation between that and dogs. Well, I I don't need I don't know. The dog show doesn't do anything for me. I'd Nothing? rather watch like the puppy bowl, you know? What about like uh when they do the the Obstacle course for the dogs. You don't even like that? I only like the clips that come out of the dogs that, like, mess it up. Or, like, they, you know, yeah, you'll see the one clip of, like, the dog going super fast, and then you see the other <laughs> dog going, like, super slow. That's a funny. I like those. But you're not just going to you know, no. check it out? Um, No, I don't give, I don't give a bleep either. Okay. No. Well, dogs are feel fine. Bad. But listen, I think it's... Listen. Like, what? Who? who are we to say that one dog... It looks better than another dog. They're all dogs, okay? So what is it? What's the difference? I don't think it's just about how they look. I That's think it's like how one of the main perform. components of it is look. Well, they have to be like, well like long hair. And... They have long hair, short hair, well, whatever. I guess beyond the fact that it's just not something that like is exciting like, to me, I find who it kind am of boring. To judge a dog based on its appearance. I I see what you're saying, but here here's the other problem. I think the whole thing is because uh, to the point on that. Every dog who wins, like, every year is a poodle. Like, every year. Like, it, it is, like, big uh, news. I, 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 I think, mean, I like, guess. last year was not a poodle, but... Um, I don't know who wins normally. 
be honest. No, it's like always. Well, they a have poodle. different categories. They have like best in show. That's like best overall. Yeah, but like they have different categories based on your breed. So like they have like the retriever category, the long hair, the short hair, the whatever. I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how it works. No, they they have different categories. But the dog that always wins best in show, like the basically the MVP of dogs, it is always a poodle. And are you telling me that the poodle is the best breed? Because I'm sitting there going like, I see poodles all the time, and they're barking, and they're loud, and they're energetic, okay, so and they're, you don't they're, want a dog that barks. I mean, if it's like alerting Does your dog or something. Bark a lot? No, no. It's like if if you know it's late at night and there's a loud noise, like the dog, our dog might bark and try to like Be alert like, hey, you that something's going what's on. What's going on over there? No, I mean. I'm just saying, why have we decided that in these dog shows that poodles are the just because they're the easiest Let's to train or something? Who are we to, are we to, to determine who's the best? Mm. I think they should have different competitions. It should be the, what the if belly maybe rub the competition, dogs, the maybe peanut butter eating competition. All the owners the should line up competition. and we have the dogs choose the best owners. <laughs> so you let all the dogs run loose and then they run to whoever the best owner. I like that. Turn like the that tables better. on them a little bit. Yeah. Best in show owners. Uh, the NBA All-Rookie Team got released. Paolo Bancaro is on the team, along with Walker Kessler, Jalen Williams from Oklahoma City. Uh, let's see. Ben Matherin from Sacramento and Keegan Murray from or Keegan Murray from Sacramento, Ben Matherin from uh, Indiana. Okay. Uh, do you give a bleep? I, I really don't, just because none of those got, like, okay. Next year, if it's, like, Victor Wembenyama is on the all-rookie team, and he, like, leads the Rockets or whoever he ends up with to, like, to the playoffs in his first year. I'll give a bleep then. I don't I wouldn't even give a bleep about that. I, I might give a bleep in, like, how good of a player he is, but I wouldn't give a bleep specifically about him being an all-rookie team player. I don't care about this award at all. It means nothing. Uh, I mean, it means something. It just means that you, in your first year in the NBA, you did a good job. So pat on the back. Good job. Yeah, yeah, but like it's nothing more none, than that. But it's like none of, the, none of those guys are in the playoffs right now, right? No, I, I they all got eliminated. It, okay, it's it's like to me like it's not even necessarily indicative of who the best players moving forward are going to be. Like if I go back to past years, okay. Um, let's see, who are some like weird ones on there? Let's go back to uh, what two years ago, twenty twenty to twenty one. Like, yeah, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, they were on there. And obviously it ended up being that they ended up being really good players. But also you had Sadiq Bey and Jay Sean Tate on the first team. Like, is it Who? just... If you're a high draft pick and you're supposed to be good, like LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards, of course you were on the all-rookie team. It is tough. Go back to the year it before. Is, Kendrick Nunn, Eric Paschal. Okay, it is tough in the NBA, though, because, like, generally speaking, if you get drafted high, you're probably going to end up being good. Right. right, that's not always that's not the case in like the NFL. This okay. cracks me up. How about the 2016-17 all-rookie team? Okay. First team, Malcolm Brogdon, who's had a very successful NBA career. Dario Saric, Joel Embiid, obviously great. Buddy Heald and Willie Hernan Gomez. Meanwhile, the second team had Jamal Murray, Jalen Brown, and Brandon Ingram. <laughs> Yogi Ferrell randomly is on there. So that's my thing. Like if you're on here, so you're just mad that it doesn't indic—it's not an indicator of how well you're going to do for your career. No. Or what are you mad about? I'm confused. I don't know what I'm mad about. I'm just—I I don't you give a blink, like. I think is the point. Okay, fine, sure. Isaiah Pacheco had surgery on both his labrum and his hand. Andy Reid said he's making project progress. We'll just see how he does with it. I can't even give you a timeline on it, but he's doing well. So this goes along with the story of so I guess he played with these injuries in the playoffs. So these were like extended injuries that he just played through in the playoffs. And that's interesting because 
this kind of stuff normally you doesn't happen except for in hockey, really. Like in hockey, it'll be like the it'll be like a month after the Stanley Cup Finals are over with, and then there'll be a story where it's like this hockey player played with 17 broken ribs and he had a fractured vertebrae in his spine. Oh, and he tore his ACL in both knees, but he played through it and won the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh. Right? Like that's a hockey thing. Normally that doesn't happen in other sports. So I guess I kind of give a bleep just because it's like, oh, you know, this is something that's unique. And also it's a guy that's on the on the Chiefs and, you know, he played through injuries. And I guess it's a testament to his toughness. Hopefully it's a quick recovery. So, I, yeah, I guess I give a bleep here. I give a bleep about, like, I'm not cruel. I, I give a bleep about somebody being injured and having to overcome that. Like, I, I give a bleep from the empathetic uh, side there. Empathetic side empathetic. there. Um Okay. But I don't give a bleep in terms of what this means to like affecting the season. Like, is this going to have any effect him having surgery right now on his hand on him playing in in September? Probably not. No, he'll probably be, no, he'll be fine by the football season. Starts. So in that sense, it's just nothing. I mean, it's a notable. I think it's notable, but it's not like you need to be concerned about it. Yeah, I don't think. I guess I give a tiny bleep. Well, what's a tiny bleep? What is like? That? I give a little bit. I don't even know what is what. What does that mean? So for you, giving a bleep is zero or a hundred? I think so, yes. Okay. For me, it's not. How do you There's give a little a gray area bleep? in between. How do you give a tiny I bleep? give a little mention to it. Okay. It's like if you if you gave a little bit of a bleep about a movie. Maybe you'd go check in. Maybe you'd see the movie. Maybe you'd look online to see what the reviews were to decide Before if you, you were going to watch it or watch not. It? If you gave no bleeps, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't see, it even at all. see it at all. You wouldn't even but look at the reviews. if you gave a bleep, you would just go straight to the Correct. movie. Correct. So it's like there's there's a little bit of leeway in there. Okay. That's a fine analogy. Um, do we give a bleep? Luis Arias is hitting 420 right now. Who? So there's a, a race for a batter to hit 400. Okay. Who? I'm glad you asked. He is a uh, batter for the Minnesota Twins. Okay. He hit like in the mid 300s last year. Really good hitter. And now without the uh, shift on, it's even... Uh, maybe it's more of a real thing that we could have a, a real batter have a race to hit 400. I think the last time we had this was maybe like Joe Maurer, Chipper Jones back in the like mid early 2000s, something like that. All right. Do you give a bleep at all about? I this? gotta be honest. I do not give a single <laughs> bleep about any of this. No, I don't care. Okay. And here, I was just thinking about this in other sports, or I guess maybe I'll, I'll just use the football as an analogy. If you are a fan of a team that sucks in football, you're still going to watch most of the other mm -hmm. NFL games. You're going to probably still watch Sunday Night Football. You're probably still going to watch Monday Night Football. You're still going to watch, you know, the afternoon games probably or have them on. Yeah. Right? If you're Even if your team is the worst team in the league. If your team sucks in, like, baseball, you are not watching any other baseball game. It's a very regional okay? sport. You are not watching Sunday Night Baseball if your team sucks. Okay, you're just not. A lot of people right? don't, even if their team's good. They only watch their team. <laughs> so, like, I just, I, this, I, I, the Royals are bad. I don't even know who this guy is. No, I don't care. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I don't give a bleep yet in terms of like, from a level of will he actually approach the 400 mark. But if he's still hovering around there like, in June, 30, I will start giving him bleep. If you gave me thirty guesses of what team this guy played for, I probably wouldn't even be able to get it right. I don't even. I that's how that's how little I care. You never gave a bleep to begin with, and that still hasn't changed. Correct. The NFL schedule gets released on Thursday. Do you give a bleep? I do give a bleep about this uh, because for a couple reasons. Number one, it's great, great content to chat with the boys. Right, you go <laughs> grab a beer with the fellas. Instant twenty to thirty minute conversation can be had about. 
the NFL schedule. So Can you believe they exactly. Thursday night game right Dude, after? There uh, is nothing better. Play the Patriots. Nothing better for just having a kicking back, chilling with the boys, having a conversation. Man, how did they only get three primetime games? Then the oh. NFL schedule being released. It's great. It's awesome. It's perfect. It's it's maybe one of the best things to, that can happen. Wow. To a group of guys that enjoy talking about sports. <laughs> Because you just get endless, you can just it just keeps going, right? Because it just there's so many possibilities. It's great, it's amazing. So yes, absolutely give a bleep about this. Absolutely, will be firing off many texts in the group chat about this. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's great. Definitely give a bleep about this. Okay, um, I I do give a bleep, and I'll 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 pay attention to it. Here here's the thing, the part of it that I mean, I we're going to talk about, about it. On the show, aren't we? Sure, but like here's the part of it that I I give zero bleeps about the the shows that are going to do like the schedule release shows I, I will not watch those I'll I'll uh, pay attention to the Chiefs release I will also pay attention to I like the social media releases where like the Chargers remember, have done an excellent saying, job saying, at this past couple years the Chargers did yes. like the anime release that was awesome yes and the, the Chargers have done it for the past couple years where they've done different themed ones. Other teams have done themed ones. Like the Chiefs even have done some themed ones that have been cool. I, I like those. I, I actually okay. love those. I, I will pay attention to those. The thing that I cannot stand that I do not give a bleep about is the the people that will now pick every game. Oh, that will so pick every like game. Within five minutes of the release, they'll yes. be like, the Chiefs they're gonna are going to win this one. They're going to lose that one. Yeah, and they'll literally year. pick every. Now, if you want to just, yeah, right, like that, that I can't get on board with. I'm like, it's so early. We haven't even gotten to training camp to begin with. And second of all, like that, that stuff is so impossible to figure out. Like, if you want to put a lump on it and be like, yeah, I'll okay. say, I don't know, go 12 and five in that schedule. Like, that's okay. fine. I just can't do the. All right, they're going to win this week. This week, Patrick Mahomes is going to outduel Derek Carr, and they're going to win. It's like, dude, you don't know who's going to be on the team in Week Eight. <laughs> um, so that I hope, I hope Patrick Mahomes is on the team. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, now, part of the NFL schedule release, there's going to be Black Friday games. Do you give a bleep about that? No, I don't. Mm. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, am I going to watch the games? Yeah, but like, so then you do give a bleep. No, it, no, no, because it, it doesn't matter when the games are. I was going to watch them anyways. So yeah, it doesn't so then you matter. Give a bleep. No, it, no. You give a bleep about all football. No, I'm saying, but I don't give a bleep about the fact that they're playing on Black Friday. I don't care about that. If they're playing, great. If they're not playing, sure. Fine, so you whatever. give a bleep about football, but you just don't care when it is. Because yes. no matter what, you're going to give a bleep. I don't care when it is. So it's exactly. like, it's like you you care so much that you don't care in a way. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess fine. I sure. guess yeah. I'll, I'll say I give a bleep because I am going to watch it. But I, mean, I hey, also don't. Are you give not going to do any Black Friday shopping? No, I don't. I don't really get into the Black you Friday shopping. You don't do shopping. that. No, do not you? even with your wife. I've bought a TV before on Black Friday, but like I don't know. You, I, like, I don't, you don't go do and get some deals with your wife or anything. No, not really. No. For me, it's a hangout. I mean, there's a lot of good like college football games on the day. I guess now there'll be NFL. More reason to just stay home. Uh, the other part of this with the NFL schedule release: single game tickets for Chiefs home games go on sale Friday. Chiefs fans obviously give a bleep about this. I don't really give a bleep for a couple reasons. A, I can't afford them, so it doesn't matter. B. That's all there is to it. I can't even think of a second thing. I can't afford them, so who cares? I, uh, I'm i one of those people who, like, it's the week of. Okay, weather looks nice. Oh, I don't have anything this Sunday. Hey, friends. Hey, wife. Do you want to go to the Chiefs game? I don't address her as wife, so I hope nobody takes that out of context. Um, and then the last one here. Do we give a bleep? The NHL draft lottery happened last night. 
Yeah, so they did their stupid show. Uh, I think the NBA wow. does the same thing also. They do this. I can already tell where you're going when you called it this stupid <laughs> show. Yeah, I don't I don't really care. I mean I'm not I like hockey. I watch it, but I don't I don't care about this. Now I do have a friend who is a very, very diehard Chicago Blackhawks fan. Oh, he's pumped. And he was absolutely losing his mind. So he cared a lot. Yeah, so I actually do care about this a lot. Um this so first of all, I'm a San Jose Sharks fan. Yeah, but and they I don't were, like this. I don't like how it takes 30 minutes. Uh, that's fair. I didn't. To be clear, I didn't watch it, so maybe I shouldn't say I gave a bleep. But I gave a bleep what happened. I just didn't give a bleep enough to watch it because I knew. Like, See, okay, like so this, you don't you, you don't give a bleep about the show. You just care about the results. Yes, correct. Because it's the same thing for the NBA draft lottery. I won't watch it. I just hey look up. Oh, now I get to see who the order is. Like somebody somebody will. So I'll, I'll get to see a picture of it. I don't need to watch what if the video. They just did it all at once. There was no be fine with me. countdown. That would be fine there with me. There was no, this game has the eighth pick, seventh pick, sixth pick. What if they were just like, here's the draft? Yeah, that's fine with me. Just give me the order. That's all I need to see. Okay. Um, and the Sharks had ended up with the fourth pick. Now, the reason I really care about this, this year, it, it's not just that I have a team who is in the running for it. This year is seen as one of the greatest hockey drafts they're saying yes. in a while. The number one, that's why, so for yeah. the Blackhawks, the number one overall pick is a kid Connor who Bedard. is supposedly like the next great Hockey Correct. Elite so player. This kid like has just shattered records uh, across his, um, I guess, minor league playing career. He's he's been a under eighteen kid who's just playing at like you know world levels and and stuff like that. Juniors, I, I think, is what they call it in the hockey level. Yeah. This kid scored like he had like a hundred points over this past year competition. Which to put it in perspective, like the Seattle Kraken had the number two pick in the draft like two years ago. And that guy scored, it was like 50 points or something like that. And same, I don't know. Like It's it's crazy how good this kid is yes. supposed to be. He's supposed to be like the next, like you said, great thing to come through. And then on top of it, they're also saying this is the best four, like top four, hmm. maybe even five that the draft has seen in a very, very and long time, if not four. ever. Yeah, they, ended up, they were supposed to get four. They ended up with four. But okay. then there's like this extra intrigue because one of the guys who uh, would probably be going second in the draft but might not end up going till fourth or fifth is this kid named Mitchkoff, who they're comparing to the Lionel Messi of hockey. He's oh. this shorter kid who is like super fast, all this stuff, but he's in Russia and he's under contract three more years. And in addition to that, so you might not get him for three years, also because of the, the Russian like war in Ukraine thing, you don't know how that's all going to pan out with like, is he eventually going to ever come over? Yeah. But he's supposed to be really good. So like, wow. there's a lot of intrigue there, a lot of really good players that. So you really give into it? I, I do give a bleep. This might be the thing I give the bleep the most about. Wow. On all this list, how about that? Hockey talk. All right, he is uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We'll be back for more RCST after this timeout. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN and Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.